Good day, everyone, and welcome back to the House of Mario. This encore, we take a journey through the Johto region that was introduced in Generation 2, Pokemon Gold and Silver in 1999 on the Game Boy Color. And, man, this was such a special region for many reasons. It was the second Pokemon generation to come along. So, you know, we finally saw the introduction of 100 new Pokemon, new gym leaders, a brand new land, and, you know, for many of us, that was really exciting. And personally, for me, my first exposure to the Johto region was through the Pokemon anime. I hadn't got into the video games yet, so I'm still yet to sort of dive into my first experience, my first region. But just a lot of these Pokemon are really special, whether you've got Togepi, Grumble, Marrow, like a lot of these Pokemon that introduced in the, uh, the sort of short before the po first Pokemon movie. Uh, that was, yeah, my first exposure to a lot of the Johto region Pokemon, but... For a lot of us as well, like playing the games, there was so much more content in uh, gold and silver than there was in red, blue, green, and yellow. Just for the fact that you could go back to the Kanto region, which was, even now, amazing. But at the time, especially, that was absolutely phenomenal. And the Jojo region as well, it's, a, it's probably the most unique region out of all eight, mainly because it sort of shared a lot of similarities with the Kanto region because it was literally attached to the Kanto region. It was its own land and uh, it shared the Pokemon League. So it's the only sort of uh, region where it shares a Pokemon League with another region. It had the same evil team sort of occupying it, being Team Rocket. And it also lacked a Water and Fire Gym, which all generations since have actually had, which is actually pretty funny to think about because, you know, they're pretty main types. But since they didn't want to double up, because you actually did go back to Kanto, uh, that yeah, they didn't want to double up on them, on them. So pretty interesting stuff. And uh, it's, it is a it does kind of suck that we've never got a Pokemon game ever again where we can go back to a different region. But uh, you know it is what it is. But with sort of the magic encoding uh, uh, water put into these uh, games, the help out Game Freak back in the day when they were brand new making these big RPGs and having super success with Pokemon. Um, it's just a really, really cool game to look back on. So let's uh, let's sit back, let's listen to some music and uh, really get nostalgia about the Johto region, Pokemon, gold and silver, and uh, try and relive a bit of nostalgia because these games are absolutely packed to the brim with nostalgia, ladies and gentlemen. Even for me, like playing them maybe like five years later and uh, actually really getting into them with Pokemon Heart Gold and Soul Silver, which came out in 2009, which are still probably ultimately the best games in the whole Pokemon series. They are extremely special. They are remakes that really did capture the originals and added on them and gave us features that we really wanted, like especially following Pokemon. That was one of the coolest things. Uh, in the whole series, just being able to see Pokemon actually follow you and see what they look like in real life. Well, not real, not real life. They're like tiny little sprites behind your little sprite character, but you know what I mean. I think we can all appreciate following Pokemon and even going on the Pokemon Let's Go and stuff when they're really animated and you can maybe see them a lot better how they would act if they were actually following you in real life. It's like virtual reality, everyone. It's like, oh my God, these sprites are so real. <laughs> So before we get into the actual music itself, uh, the music was uh, 
composed by Junichi Masuda. We all know Junichi uh, uh, Masuda. <laughs> I'm tripping over my words here. Um, we, we all know him. He went on to be the producer of Pokemon Ruby and Sapphire and he uh, re- recently stepped down at the uh, beginning of uh, Pokemon Sun and Moon to uh, allow for another producer to produce the series and he stepped down to a more of a uh, a lower role because, you know, you can imagine how much stress for that many years producing a a series like Pokemon would be just with the time restraints of having to get the game out to, you know, get the new Pokemon in the public eye for the trading cards for the anime and all that. It will just be a super crazy job. You could you could really imagine it. But uh, someone by the name of uh, Mori oh, uh, Mori Kusa uh, Aoki, um, I just butchered his name. I'm sorry. <laughs> But he 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 was a compo- composer through generation two and three, and uh, he's he's worked on Pokemon Ruby and Sapphire, Diamond and Pearl, uh, Heart Gold, Soul Silver, Pokemon Black and White, and he actually went on to uh, uh, compose for Alpha Dream. And if you guys out there don't know who Alpha Dream is, they are the development studio behind the Mario and Luigi RPG series. So it went on to. Uh, Composed for Partners in Time in 2005. And his most recent game was Mario Luigi, Bowser's Inside Story plus Bowser's Jr. on the 3DS. So he's been there for a long time. And unfortunately, Alpha Dream has gone through some money trouble. So I hope uh, I hope they haven't shut down and they are still going. But um, just a, a really influential sort of composer on there as well. And there's, there's, there's been a few composers, but those two especially are the ones sort of credited for um, a lot of the work here on the Pokemon Gold and Silver. And before we get into the music itself, like this music is extremely unique, I feel like, in the Pokemon series. And even though it shares a lot of similarities with Red and Blue, uh, it has its own unique style, which is really cool. You've got like Kimono Girls and all of that sort of uh, mystic sort of feel. And uh, yeah, every generation has its even more of a unique feel going on from here. So it definitely... Definitely spark something in the Pokemon series. So let's move on. So this is uh, this is the title screen, and the title screen this is the first thing you ever hear after the intro. And it's uh, compared to Pokemon Red and Blue, like Red and Blue is like, yeah, come on, let's uh, let's get ready for a battle. But this is pretty relaxed, and you're just sort of like, yeah, getting ready for a journey, you know, going onto your onto your thing. But then it sort of kicks into like the main Pokemon theme, and man, it's like <laughs> I'm listening to this for like the first time in a long time. Maybe like you guys listening to this are, and oh, it's so nostalgic, man. I love it so much. And even though these games weren't my uh, first games, or I didn't play them as like a really young kid, I guess I was pretty young still, but I wasn't like eight, for example. But I played through a lot of Pokemon Heart Gold and Soul Silver with uh, the key item that actually changed uh, the sort of new remix music to the older music, which was really, really neat. Um, I absolutely love that they had that item in there, and they never put it in again for another remake. It wasn't in there for the, the remakes before this, which were Fire Red Leaf Green, and it was in there for Omega Ruby Alpha Sapphire and the generation after, which kind of sucks. But I think it just shows you how uh, much love was put into these games and, of course, the remakes that... They even thought of doing an item like that. Because I don't know if uh, as much love has gone into the remakes since Pokemon Heart Gold and Soul Silver. But then we move on to the main menu theme.
You're like, all right, what's my name? And you got to think like, oh, yep. Yeah. Right, it's, uh, it's Drew. Cool, cool, cool. And then, the, and then your mum's got her own theme too. And we all know how infamous the mum in this game is. And she's probably the most intrusive mum in the, in the whole series. Um, because she she wants to save your money after every Pokemon battle. And while that's good in premise, I don't know. It's it's not that useful having to like travel like all the way back to get that money or whatever. And like in these games, I feel like Pokemon uh, Gold and Silver are probably the most grindy games in the whole series. By the time you get to the Pokemon League, you're, you're only about level 46 or 50 if you um, put in the extra mile. But you are a pretty low level and you've really got to grind for each gym. And as you're going through, you uh, you can't really switch out your Pokemon too much. You've got to stick to like your six Pokemon and really make sure you don't swap them out because if you decide you don't want to use your level 30, you want to swap it out and you can only get stuff at level 20. That is actually a pretty big grind in these games to get up those 10 levels. And uh, I know like now Pokemon Sword and Shield and that where there's the candies and all these different sort of mechanics, it is uh, it's, it's way easier to level up your Pokemon. You can like get level 80s in the mainline game without even trying. Whereas, yeah, you know, it was like it was pretty hard back back in these days and not necessarily because of the gym leaders and that, just because of the level grind, which I don't necessarily care about. I don't think it was... Uh, a fun thing to be like stuck grinding, but it is what it is. It's just a, a part of this region, I feel like. So the very first town is Newbark Town. This is the town you grow up in. This is where your mum lives. This is where you start off. This is where the professor, Professor Elm, has his laboratory, and you get the choice out of three starter Pokemon being Chikorita, Cinequil, and Totodile. Uh, as a kid, I really, really loved Chikorita. Uh, just cute, powerful, all that type of thing. And the uh, Bayleaf in the anime had so much personality. It was a really, really cool Pokemon. But uh, as I've gotten older, I've um, really started to appreciate the other two as well. So uh, uh, Cinequil, I think how it evolves into Koalava and Typhlosion, it's, uh, it's definitely the coolest. Like, it's really cool. Like, just the way it sort of, like, flares up and that when it's angry. And it's a really cool Pokemon. And... As you're moving through the adventure as well, it's a really, really powerful Pokemon, especially when you're going against maybe Jasmine later in, in the game and she's a steel type. And I remember her actually being a bit of a challenge with a Magna, uh, Magneton and uh, Steelix. Yeah, so Typhlosion always comes in handy there. And Yeah, but I think in recent times, my favorite has actually shifted from Chikorita to Titodile. And I think that's just because of Titodile's happy nature. And uh, for Alligator as well, he's, he's, he's powerful and he's cool. I I know like I describe a lot of Pokemon as like cool and I don't, it's probably like a lack of vo- vo- vocabulary there. <laughs> I can't even pronounce vocabulary. <laughs> but um, it's definitely uh, definitely my favorite now, which is uh, actually kind of interesting because yeah, growing up, it was always Chikorita, always wanted Chikorita, but playing through a few times with Chikorita, I've, I've got to admit, man, it's, it kind of let me down. It kind of let me down because its stats are just sort of neutral for everything and it doesn't... I don't know. I had the same problem with uh, Bulbasaur and uh, Venusaur in the original games too, going through with uh, Venusaur and it just kind of sucked compared to the rest of my Pokemon and I'm not sure if uh, it might have been Nature's uh, in that 
in a Pokemon Fire Leaf Green or don't know what it was that let me down. But regardless, it uh, it let me down and, you know, it, it kind of hurt me. It really did hurt me. But uh, just design-wise, still really, really fond of those grass-type Pokemon. And going forward, I think grass-types are like some of my most picked Pokemon. I'm not quite sure. Water-types might be too. I pick a lot of fire too, so I'm not quite sure. I've played through like a lot of the games a lot of the time. So regardless. Um, so then we move on. We actually move on into Professor Elm's Laboratory. And that's when we can select one of the Pokemon. We can make our choice. And Professor Elm, he says, all right, it's time to go and see Mr. Pokemon. He's got a, he's got an egg for you. I think he says something along the lines of that. Or he's got like a mission for you or you got to do a task for him. Can't remember exactly what it was. It was a long time ago. But regardless, you, you go, you proceed... And uh, you go through Route 29. And this is it's quite similar to Route 1 music in uh, in the Kanto region. But it's just a happy-go-lucky music. You're moving on. You're on a journey. You've got your starter Pokemon. Here we go. I'm going through with... Uh, I'm going to go through with Totodile on this journey. So go with Totodile. And you're like, all right. Well, so what's in this grass? What are we going to find? And uh, this is... With the music here, we've got two different variations of the wild battle theme. So the first one is uh, actually due to uh, a new feature added in uh, Pokemon Gold and Silver. And that is the day-night cycle. So these are the first games where you're actually seeing what time of day is represented in your game. And that affects what uh, Pokemon come up in the wild and a few other elements. Um, so this is the daytime variation. And just talking about the, the music itself... Uh, I can't say anything bad about a lot of the wild battle music in every single Pokemon game. It is, it's catchy, it's upbeat, it makes you feel like, yeah, you know, battle, and uh, especially this one, it's uh, nostalgic looking back on it. And uh, I don't know if it's necessary, it's definitely not my favourite one, but it's, uh, it's a very iconic one, which uh, I think a lot of people can sing along to. So moving on from the daytime variation, I'm going to click on the nighttime. I'm going to see if we can sort of hear much difference. I feel like it's just like a bit more subdued. I'm gonna go back to the daytime one. Yeah, so there's just like less going, less noise going on in the background, which is cool because it feels like you know it's a bit quieter at nighttime. So that's a cool thing that like, the composer sort of thought about, like actually changing the wild battle music uh, for, from day and night, which is cool. So we move on to the little victory screen. And this victory screen, it never actually, the music actually never changed throughout the whole Pokemon series. Obviously, they updated it and maybe put like an extra sound effect here and there. But really, it hasn't changed much over the whole whole time. So moving from Route 29, we move into Cherry Grove City. And it's the first city where we're introduced to the Pokemon Center, the Pokemart, all of that uh, fun stuff. And uh, in there, we're actually confronted by a Pokemon lady who shows us all of the, you know, where you can go and heal your Pokemon, where you can go and get potions, revives, all the important things a trainer needs for their Pokemon journey. And uh, this is music that's in actually every single Pokemon game as well. And I remember actually like j j jiving to this when they first uh, did it. I'm like, yeah. Yeah, and I actually, um, when I was playing drums at high school, this was one of the songs in my iPod where I actually like 
put my earphones in and like drum along to it. I did that with a lot of the Pokemon music because it didn't have like actual drums in it. So it was easy to sort of um, be able to do drum beats and different feels to. And this was one where I just really enjoyed doing that. So not really in the games or a part of the, the Johto journey necessarily, but it was definitely a, a track that I really did enjoy playing along to. Then we move into the Pokemon Center itself. It's just like really iconic music as we're in the Pokemon Center. And it's, it's music we hear again and again and again and again. So, I don't know. You might not want to listen to it too much. This podcast, you're like, oh God, I've just wiped out. Here I am. It's reminding me of <laughs> the bad times. So, we'll move on to Route 30. In Route 30, we're getting a bit more epic. The music's getting a bit more upbeat as we're getting closer to Professor... Not Professor Pokemon. Mr. Pokemon, he's called. Mr. Pokemon, what a dumb name. What a silly name. Why did he call himself that? How do you get the surname Pokemon in the world of Pokemon? That's what I want to know. Like, Say, this is the real world where we are, where you are right now. Do you get the name Mr. Animal? Maybe you are an animal. Maybe Mr. Pokemon is like an animal like you know is a, is a reckless man maybe that's where the name comes from I don't know so when we get to a uh, Mr. Pokemon's house we're actually confronted by Professor Oak he's there and this is a, a theme song we hear a lot in the Pokemon games as well that has Professor Oak in it whether it's even the newer games with Pokemon Let's Go or you replay through Fire Red Leaf Green and you save poor Professor Oak in the, in the wilderness there the song we hear a lot and he actually gives us our Pokedex so Professor Elm doesn't give us our Pokedex he's not a professor for that um, <laughs> the professor for that I forgot what Professor Elm actually does I forgot what his uh, profession is but Professor Oak he is the professional with the Pokedex he gives you the Pokedex and uh, <laughs> so moving on you're doing all that you don't worry about that and you've actually, you've actually got to go back to uh, Professor Elm's uh, uh, laboratory, and that's when you're confronted by your rival, and your rival is uh, probably the the biggest asshole in the whole Pokemon series. You had Blue in the original Pokemon games, but this uh, guy who uh, we usually call Silver in the Pokemon games, whether it's the anime or whatever, but you can call him whatever you want. You can call him Dirtbag, Dick Cheese. I don't know. You can call him whatever you want. Don't call him Dick Cheese. That's a bit rough. Um, but yeah, he actually stole. Uh, a starter Pokemon from Professor Realm, which is a big no-no. The police get on it, and you know it's just a it's a big it's a big mess. It's a big mess. You like it's just like Jesus, what are you doing, mate? Bloody silver! But it was pretty cool to see like maybe not necessarily a villain, but a rival really take on that kind of role, and uh, even more so than maybe your rival in Red and Blue. In these games, you really did want to stop him, not because like, oh, you know, you you one up in me, you bastard type of thing. It's just like you know, you're a bad person, and you shouldn't steal. I'm gonna get you. And uh, it is interesting, sort of the backstory when we find out in the uh, Pokemon remakes with Heart Gold and Soul Silver that you know he is actually uh, Giovanni's son. So Giovanni is the leader of Team is the leader of Team Rocket for those that don't know. But that was a really interesting backstory as well and how we sort of find out through Celebi's time travel and all that. So a lot of these games, are like, I feel like the original two regions have a great amount of backstory, which is really interesting. And you can like look into it and sort of get enwrapped with the characters and the locations, but um, you don't necessarily have to. Um, yeah. 
But uh, moving on from all of that, so we're gonna we're gonna start progressing in our journey. Um, after try and get the first badge. So we um there's there's a bit of is a bit of a meme at this point. So on your uh poker, I forgot what it's called. Whether it's the poker nav, I'm gonna call it the poker phone. I've actually forgotten. I'm sorry, everyone. I know you're sitting sitting in your car or something here on YouTube, being like pointing at my face, being like it's this. But sorry, I've forgotten. But it's a bit of a meme. So you got youngster Joey. And youngster Joey, he's got a Raditar, which is in the top percentage of Raditar. And he comes up to you, and my God, he's he's going to get you with that Raditar. And that Raditar is no joke. That Raditar, oh God, it's a good Raditar. It's in the top percentage of Raditar. Oh, Jeez, it's a good Raditar, man. And there he comes up, and he, he wants to battle you. So this is where we move into the Johto uh, trainer theme. And... I think even more so than the Wild Battle theme. I think this one is one of the best ones. It's upbeat, it's in your face, and yeah, it, it, it gets me pumped every single time for a Pokemon trainer battle. And uh, even in like, say the remakes and that, like this theme gets even better, which uh, I guess is, uh, I guess you would hope for when it's remade and that, but a lot of this music, just hearing it in chip tune is, Amazing. <laughs> Just going back to it. Alright, so you're you're a big Pokemon master, you've won the battle, you've won the battle. And this music I feel like has actually changed out a fair bit throughout the series. Unlike sort of the, the victory for the wild battle. And that's hopefully music you're going to be hearing a lot through your journey. Hopefully you're not going to be losing too much. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> so the next track is actually titled Dark Cave. And this is music that plays when you're in a cave. And uh, especially in this game, I hated caves in Generation 2. In Generation 1, they weren't too much fun either. You had to use Flash... And uh, so you can actually see in the cave and there was a lot of places you had to go through the progress through the story. But um, a lot of places in the Johto region, they were sort of optional near the start. So I remember going in and just not having flash, can't see anything. Versing a million Zubats. I feel like Zubats were even worse in the Johto region. Um, so when I listen to this, I'm like, oh, I'm in a cave. I hate it so much. I want to get out. <laughs> so unlike all of the other music that we've been listening to, I'm like, I hate this. <laughs> so we move on to uh, the next city, which is Violet City. And this is the place of the very first gym. And uh, the first gym, you verse Faulkner, which is a flying type gym. You uh, verse him to get the Zephyr badge, or the Zephyr badge, sorry. And uh, this uh, gym, I feel like it's one of the easiest sort of beginning gyms. With Brock, if you chose Charmander, it was pretty hard. But if you chose the other ones, you know, you could get through it pretty pretty easily. But I feel like no matter who you chose, even Chikorita to some extent. Oh, actually, if you chose Chikorita, you, you're absolutely stuffed. But uh, <laughs> if you chose the other two, you're actually going pretty well. Yeah, I can't, can't remember if I struggled with Chikorita versus Faulkner or not. Yeah, not sure. But regardless... It, He's always sort of the, one of the most forgettable gym leaders for me. I always remember Brock. I think that's for 
obvious reasons than going on to Roxanne in Generation 3 and um, yeah maybe I can't remember I can't quite remember the Generation 4 one either got his name it's another rock type they love their beginning rock types apart from the Johto region but I do appreciate that the first gym was a flying type gym it was something different um, compared to the other four generations sort of surrounding it they're all, all rock type which I guess are like you know what the first generation we did a rock type now we're going to do all rock types again <laughs> uh, but one of the most interesting uh, places in this city is actually Sprout, uh, Sprout, Sprout Tower. You've got to progress up here and to continue the story. And the whole place is just full of um, uh, Bell Sprout. And uh, yeah, it's, a, it's an interesting area. And this is where um, a lot of like legend of Ho-Oh and all of that sort of lies around, which is uh, really cool. So like in these games... The games aren't really based around the legendary Pokemon, but I do appreciate that there's really in-depth stories for both Lugia and Hobo, but they're sort of... You have to go and find them. They aren't right in your face. They aren't during the mainline story like a lot of the other games go on to be. And I guess there's some positives and some negatives for that, like with Groudon and Kyogre being a part of the main story in the next generation. I feel like that added a lot of character to the actual their storylines, but... Finding out about sort of Ho-Oh and Lugia sort of just through your own means is actually pretty interesting. And I know like some aspects of their stories are in there, obviously with like the legendary beasts and Ho-Oh resurrecting them from like, from their spirit and making them become big, powerful legendaries that roam the, the Johto region. I think that's a really interesting concept, which is in your face is, is a part of the main story. But there's uh, lots of uh, unique places in the Johto region like that. So the music you just heard was uh, an encounter with a sage. And you, you fight them all the way through the... Spr- sp- uh, I don't want to say Sprite. The Sprout Tower. <laughs> and it's cool in there too. You can find like, lots of cool Pokemon. Um, remember Ghastly. <laughs> I say lots of cool Pokemon. I'm like, I can't remember. <laughs> so we're moving on to Route 32. And uh, I really, really do enjoy this music as well. When we uh, move on to an encounter with a lass, <laughs> it's just like another like trainer theme. And a lot of these are quite similar actually to um, Red and Blue. Just like a little bit changed, like a little bit, but they're pretty much like the a similar type of theme. And we keep progressing. We're, we're going to the Ruins of Alf. And uh, this is sort of one of the more unique places in the Johto region. And... Personally, for me, it's the area that I uh, overlook a lot as well. And uh, there's actually like a fair bit of uh, history to it too. And I'm going to uh, go to Bulbapedia and uh, read uh, some of the history here. So I got a history. So uh, 1,500 years ago before modern times, the place now, now known as the Ruins of Alf was built in Johto. And the earliest known system for writing the modern Latin, Latin alphabet was developed. Though no one knows exactly who built the Ruins of Alf. 
Research indicates that the people in question were, anci were an ancient civilization that wished to coexist with the um, unknown, but bear great similarity to the uh, alphabet letters. Not only did that tribe impact messages on the uh, ruins walls describing the unknown, but they also resurrected a Pokemon statue for an unknown reason. So it is cool that this is like maybe the place in the whole Pokemon world that sort of brought about the English that these people use throughout the whole world. So I know that like for obviously English speaking people that is the Latin language that goes on to be English or whatever. But even if you're like playing like French or German or whatever language you're playing in, you're probably playing in English because I'm speaking in English. <laughs> But it is like an interesting concept that this is where sort of uh, language was uh, brought about for the Pokemon world. And uh, I don't know. For me, like in the games that featured the unknown, I never went and caught them all. It was always like such a tedious task. And it's not like you're looking for like a Larvitar or I don't know, a, a Dratini or whatever you're looking for. You're just like getting like an unknown. I'm like, I don't know. Even like there was lots of people sort of earlier last year collecting them in Pokemon Go, doing like raid battles and stuff. And I was never into it. I never really got into the whole unknown collecting. But uh, yeah, I still really like cool puzzle and like a bit of a hidden backstory in these games too. So I think I really do appreciate that. So Radio Unknown. I should try to think what this is. Okay, so this is like the, the sequence when you're actually doing the unknown. Okay. I can barely remember this, to be honest. They're pretty cool. Scary stuff. <laughs> All right, so we, we progress uh, past the, the ruins of Alf, and we go into a hiker. And the hikers, you know, they mean, they mean business. They're like, oh, I've got my Geodudes, I've got my Gravelers. Maybe I've got a Sandshrew or two. I'm going to kick your butt and maybe if you picked a uh, Cyndaquil maybe you're in trouble because of your type weakness there but you know hikers you know they never they never pose much of a threat there so we move on to another town and uh, that is uh, Azura, Azura Town and uh, Azura Town I'm actually trying to remember exactly what Azura Town is like I said it's, a, it's been a long time since I've been to a lot of these towns so, a town where people and Pokemon live together in simple harmony. Slowpoke well is located here. When Slowpoke are thirsty, they come here to drink. Okay, now I remember here. So, this is the, uh, the town with the second gym where you versed Bugsy as well. And Bugsy, you know, if you chose Cinequil, you know, you're, you're pretty right. But if you chose maybe one of the other two, you're in for a hard time. And actually, that reminds me, if you chose Chikorita, this is the second gym where you have a type disadvantage. So... That might be another reason why Chikorita, I'm like, oh my god, what have I done? <laughs> you're so cute, but you're weak to everything, goddammit. <laughs> and uh, I think this is a, another place which is one of the most infamous sort of storylines in the whole Pokemon franchise as well. When you go to Slowpoke Well and you find out that Team Rocket, this is your first encounter with Team Rocket in these games as well, by the way, where they're actually harvesting Slowpoke tails to sell to eat on the black market, which is... is um. You know, you hear about sort of Team Rocket and they're bad and they do bad things to Pokemon in the original games. It's like, oh no, bad guys, they're thieves. We've got to stop them. But really, this is like the first time you're like, oh, that's mucked up. That's mucked up. Because 
I guess you can sort of compare it to some of the things in the uh, real world where, you know, I guess maybe hunters hunting rhino horn, just cutting off the horn and leaving the rhino to die and just, you know, wasting a whole life just for a valuable horn. And this is pretty much what Team Rocket's doing and it's awful. You go up to like the sprite of a slowpoke and it's like, uh, <laughs> missing its tail. And it'll be interesting if they do do like a, a let's go Johto, how they'll represent a slowpoke just with like no, no tail. <laughs> but we move on to the Pokemon gym. And uh, while this is the second gym, this is the first time hearing the sort of inside the gym music. And uh, it's quite similar to the generation before it. You, you know, you're in a you're in a big location. You know that you're you're essentially going up to a boss battle. And uh, a lot of these gym battles, you know, some might be easy, some might be hard, but it sort of depends on what Pokemon you have with you. So maybe if you got a Noctowl, you're going to be okay. You've got some flying time moves, but regardless. Just trying to remember what a uh, what Pokemon Bugsy had. I wonder if I can look it up here. Type the bugs you have. Here we go. Okay, so sorry about that, but he, so Bugsy has in the original games he has a Metapod, a Kakuna, and a Cipher. And now, okay, now I remember. I remember his Cipher is just a pain. Obviously, uh, the Metapod and the Kakuna aren't too hard to take care of. They've got <laughs> Tackle, String Shot, and Harden. Um, and uh, Kakuna's got Poison Sting instead of Harden, but uh, Cypher is just such a pain with Fury Cutter and Quick Attack and Leer. It is just a menace at this point in the game. It's only level 16, but still, it's just a pain in the butt <laughs> to fight. <laughs> uh, so we move on to the Pokemon Gym Leader uh, music, and uh, I think this is like probably one of the best Gym Leader themes in the whole series. Um, I don't know how many times I'm going to say that going throughout every single one because I think they're all good. I think, like, depending on what mood I'm in, I'm going to really appreciate every single one. Even in Generation 8, I think uh, that is just an absolute ripper gym theme. <laughs> but this one, especially, like, you're versing Bugsy and, like, that Cypher with uh, Fury Cutter, you're like, oh, my God. Um, if you've got some grass types or whatever, it's going to be quite a hard battle. But, uh, yeah... Really, really great theme. I think all the all the gym leaders in um, the second generation are absolutely fantastic as well. Okay, so. By this point, you might be sweating. You're like, all right, I'm in trouble. But with that last final move, that last blow, you have the victory. And there we are, ladies and gentlemen. You've got the second badge. You've got the Hive badge. Congratulations. Well done. You've beaten the Cypher. And even more importantly, you beat that Metapod and Kakuna. You are a true Pokemon master. Congratulations. <laughs> oh, man. So yeah, I the Johto like battle music, especially like the gym stuff, is really really great. Um, but let's move on. So let's just say you've beaten Bugsy, you've gotten your Chikorita to level fourteen. You're like fantastic. I am awesome. Um, that Chikorita is going to evolve. It's going to evolve, ladies and gentlemen. And uh, I think I don't think the evolution theme has changed. 
much at all from the first generation and it's even pretty much the same in generations going on uh, a lot of the stuff I sort of look for in like a new Pokemon game is just like how have they changed the evolution stage and uh, all the way up to like Pokemon Sword and Shield now it's like all fancy and flashes and all of that and it's actually funny like in the uh, Pokemon Sword and Shield when they're evolving there's not much time to sort of press B so if you're looking for a certain form say you're evolving Eevee and you want Espeon or Umbreon you can't like see the silhouette in enough time to sort of press B <laughs> so I remember like in these games you've got plenty of time you can like see like the sprites flashing from the pre-evolution to the evolution backwards and forward and you're like alright it's, it's going to be this like two seconds before it actually evolves whereas that isn't the case now you've got no time there's no time so you just beat the uh, second gym leader and you're versing your rival. Silver is back and he wants wants to, to battle you just in front of Kurt's house. So Kurt is uh, the man that makes the Pokeballs if you get the Apricorns. And to actually think about Kurt, that is a, a, a sort of a feature that's been like a very popular one in the series going forward, how you can get access to all the different types of Pokeballs. And uh, they actually reintroduced it in Pokemon Sword and Shield with the uh, Crown not the Crown Tundra, the uh, Isle of Armour DLC where you can get Apricorns and take them to the Pokematic and get them made. But it doesn't have the same magic with Kurt, you know, taking the Apricorns and handcrafting them. So that was a really cool aspect of these games. you got, like, all different balls they introduced apart from, you know, Great, Pokeball, Ultra Ball, Master Ball. They actually had, like, some different variations which actually just continued on as the series went on. So we're moving on to another uh, battle theme, which is the rival battle theme, which is amazing. It's awesome. If it starts. <laughs> dun, dun. And these battles, like, I remember um, playing through my first time through Pokemon Gold when I rented it. Uh, this particular battle with your rival uh, was hard. I remember this being quite tricky. And I think, uh, I think Silver might actually be one of the toughest rivals in the whole series. Like, going forward with uh, Ruby and Sapphire, that's when your rival became... Hey, it's your neighborhood friend. I'm going to battle you. Check in. See how you're going. How's your mental health? How's your physical health? You want to catch up for your drink? Let's go. But this is like, this guy hates you. And you hate him. And this is like a real like battle to determine who is better, who is the worst. And uh, you know, keep progressing in your journey. So, this music, uh, it, it reflects that. So, holy shit, I've got to squash this guy. And quite often than not, when I was a kid, he squashed me. He squashed me. Especially with his, like, uh, cool lava. Hitting my bay leaf. I'm like, no, not Ember. <laughs> so we, we, uh, we progress forward. We go through the woods. And uh, we see that um, there's actually policemen in this area now. So maybe uh, Silver's not too happy about that. But there's a lot of officers in this area. They want to battle us for whatever reason. They've got nothing better to do. They're on night duty, maybe if you're playing at night time. Daytime, they're there anyway. Don't know what they're quite doing. And uh, in this route too, um, I can't remember exactly what route it is, but it's uh, actually got the same... It's actually the same route as the daycare. And uh, in this generation is when they introduce breeding for the very first time where you can put two Pokemon in the daycare, one female, one male, put them together, and you can have an egg. And there was actually multiple baby Pokemon in this generation, being Togepi. Ah, oh, who was it? <laughs> Togepi? I've forgotten. Forgotten them all. But Toge Togepi is the main one who you, they do sort of introduce you to that mechanic through Mr. Pokemon. And um, 
yeah, is, is a really interesting feature that stayed around and became very important for competitive battling and just making Pokemon, I guess, viable to uh, really get the stats you want from certain Pokemon for competitive battle. So that was a feature that's incredibly important that uh, was introduced in Generation 2, which is really cool. So moving on, we, uh, you know, you've gotten, you might have put some Pokemon in the daycare and all that, but then we move on to Goldenrod City, which is, uh, I guess, the capital as such for the Johto region. And this is a, a place where we have the, the, third, the third gym being Whitney, and Whitney is notorious, probably the most notorious gym leader in this game for her mill tank with her rollout, which is an absolute beast to deal with if it sort of gains enough traction and gets those rollouts up, you uh, have no chance of beating it at all. But it also uh, has the radio station there, which is a, a big part of the story later on when Team Rocket actually take over it and you've got to go in there and sort of inf infiltrate it a little bit to get there. But yeah, it's just a really cool cool uh, region. Not region, uh, town. <laughs> Where you can take the, the train as well to the, the Kanto region once you're the champion of the whole, whole place and all that. So let's let's go let's go to the radio station. The radio station's a really interesting place. I actually can't remember this theme. I can only remember the theme when Team Rockets got taken over, which is an absolute banger. And uh, yes, of course, I actually forgot about this, but it's it's uh, it's the home of the the game corner as well. So it's kind of the equivalent of Celadon City in the Kanto region, but I didn't I never spent a whole lot of time in the game corner in uh, the Johto region. Um, mainly because there wasn't like a big prize that sort of drew me to it. In, a, in Kanto, there was Porygon. So Porygon, I just grinded coins for forever to get Porygon in those games. But in this game, not so much. I didn't spend too much time with it. And it was actually quite funny because uh, the remakes for this game, Pokemon Heart Gold and Soul Silver, those were the first games in the series to get rid of the gambling aspect of, uh, of the game corner to uh, get rid of the, the PG rating and just get a G rating. Which, uh, you know, it sucked. They, I think it was a Voltorb Flip they uh, turned the slots into. And Voltorb Flip didn't do it for me. Like, you know, the slots are one thing. They're, you know, they're pretty boring. They just, you got no control over it. But Voltorb Flip, don't know, didn't do it too much for me either, unfortunately. But regardless. And, uh, yes, you actually get your bicycle here too. So listen to the bicycle theme. So you can finally get on your bike, ride around. And uh, like I said for Kanto, I always hated that when you got on your bike, this theme just like overtook everything else. Especially like when it's like, you know, you got all the cool music and all that. So like a lot of the times you are just listening to this. Which is okay. It's okay. It's a nice chirpy theme. So Pokemon Radio March. What's this? quite remember where this is from. It's on the radio, but I'm sure I'm sure you guys are yelling at me like, oh yes, I remember this. I can't so much. It's a nice chirpy little theme though. Alright, so let's move on to uh, the National Park. And this is this is a really cool area too. So this wasn't really done in the series, but uh, it's the home of the, the bug catching contest where you can actually participate in um basically a competition where you're trying to catch bugs with other trainers and you're trying to get the best uh, sort of Pokemon to get the most points and win. And uh, there was uh, multiple Pokemon that gave a lot of points. I can't remember the exact way they uh, distributed the uh, points. But if you found like a 
like a Pokemon like uh, Beedrill or Butterfree, you got a, a lot of points compared to if you just got a Kakuna or a Caterpie or something. But I believe from memory, the Pokemon that you really want to catch is either a Scyther or a Pinsir. And they give the most points. And there's always a one trainer that always happens to catch a Pinsir or a Scyther. So if you get him in your rotation and you're sort of not able to find one yourself, uh, you're going to lose automatically, which kind of sucked. <laughs> but we'll move on to the bug catching music itself. <laughs> and I just like, it just reminds me of like, we're all standing in line like, all right, let's see if I can catch something cool. No. Okay. <laughs> so. And now you got to run around quick. Quick, go and find a good bug. Go and find a Caterpie. Go and find a Butterfree. Go and get one. Quick, before the other guy gets it. And if it bursts out, too bad. Because they were a pain in the bum to catch. Alright, so let's just say you're the bug Pokemon Master. Congratulations, you are number one. You can move on to Ecritique City. And that is the home of the fourth gym in the Johto region. And it's a ghost trainer, which is really cool. This is the first ghost uh, ghost gym in the series. And uh, Morty is gym leader, and he gives the fog badge. And uh, Morty, you know, he's a bit of a, <laughs> a bit of a character. He has uh, some pretty cool Pokemon. Obviously, there's not like a whole lot of uh, ghost-type Pokemon in these games. But he has a, a Ghastly, a Haunter, a Gengar, and another Haunter. So he doesn't, have, he doesn't have Mistrevious or like any of those Pokemon, which you'd think he would. But in Pokemon Heart Gold and Soul Silver, he has he has the same Pokemon. So, so you think he would actually... Yeah, you'd think he would actually have like some of the new Johto Pokemon, but no, no, he just has <laughs> different evolutions of the, the same Pokemon. But uh, I'm just looking here because I'm just like interested to see like what a proper team from Morty would be. So in Pokemon World Tournament, he had... Um, so Pokemon, sorry, Pokemon World Tournament in black and white too. Um, he has a Gengar, a uh, Miss Magius, a Banette, uh, a Dust Noir, a Sableye, and a Frostless. So that's actually a really cool uh, ghost-type team. And it's mainly made up by Hoenn Base, at least. I know like the evolutions were introduced in Generation 4, but with Banette, uh, Dust Noir, uh, Sableye, and Frostless, that is a, a pretty Hoenn-based team. So that's pretty cool. Because it's just like such a lack of uh, ghost-type Pokemon in the first couple of generations. And Mistrevious, like, it had no evolutions either. So it, was, it wasn't it was that, that strong or that much to sort of ride home about. But Ecritique City um, is uh, an old-fashioned city located in northern Johto, situated in the uh, woods between Mount Mortar and the open fields near Johto's western shore. Uh, as with the largest cities in the Pokemon world, Ecritique City has a, a gym. Yep. Uh, Ecritique City is known as a historical and uh, mythically city. Uh, fittingly, its buildings all feature traditional Japanese architecture, uh, while the tallest building in the city, uh, and perhaps all of Johto, is the 10-story bell tower in the city's northern center, built nearly a millennium before the events of the games. The city is known as being a center point of the legendary Pokemon narrative to the Johto region, uh, as with the great Ho-Oh once being said to have roosted atop the bell tower and have created the three legendary beasts, 
and the Pokemon who perished when the Brass Tower burned down. So a really interesting place where like a lot of the sort of um, story around Ho-Oh is based. Um, so yeah, and it's just like full of Japanese tradition as you can hear with the music right now sort of playing. It's got like a lot of, um, I guess, sort of culture around it. And it, like, you know, with, uh, I guess, Pokemon Red and Blue, you didn't really feel the Japanese influence as much. But with these games, especially in these areas with like the Kimono Girls and that, it definitely like yes, this is a this is a Japanese game that is uh, has Japanese influences, which is really nice. So there's the dance center where you actually verse a lot of these uh, kimono girls, and when they encounter you, this is their theme here. And I think it's like a yeah, it's I don't know, it's always like it's like kind of like sweet, but at the same time, I always remembered like the, this part of the game being like kind of creepy just with I think it's just the way the music's put together with the chip tunes but not so much in later generations when the music was uh, say remade and recomposed but yeah I think it's also just like the aspect of like the whole burnt tower and like the legendary beasts were this reincarnated Pokemon as well so this is the uh, the music for the burnt tower some of that light just mysterious music line mm, something's going on here it's a bit it's a bit much <laughs> a bit much for me so the the, the tin tower and the tin tower is a, a cool place where you uh, do eventually go and catch your holo which uh, personally is uh, my choice out of the two legendaries of this game I know Lugia is super super popular I don't know if it's because it was just more popular anyway or because of the Pokemon 2000 movie where um, it was the main Pokemon. But I don't know. Ho-Oh has always just appealed more to me and it's one of the most beautiful shinies in the whole Pokemon series as well. Whereas in these games, you might not necessarily see it in, in the sprites back in, back in the day, but man, like the sprite work and even the 3D models where Ho-Oh was shiny, it looks really nice. So let's move out of Ecritique City. Let's go to Route 39. And uh, we're, we're on a journey here. <laughs> and it's going to be sort of interesting, like, actually, like, going through the Pokemon soundtracks like this, how when we do go through Route 1, it is very much, you know, we're starting our journey, but... As we're going along and we're getting longer and longer into this episode, you can hear the route music's like getting more and more an epic. It's like crescent. It almost feels like it's crescendoing into like the end. And uh, I'm really looking forward to getting into like the end song for this game because bar none, it is the best theme in the whole series. Uh, so I'm looking forward to getting to that. But that's what I feel like with the routes. It's just getting more epic and more epic as we're going on through each route. So let's uh, let's stop let's stop listening to the route music and we get encountered by a beauty. So she's another trainer in the I guess this uh, Pokemon land we got here. I really like this one. This is good. I 
I love it. Love it. So this is another uh, song on the Pokemon Radio from the Radio Tower. It's called Pokemon Lullaby. I'm just trying to like a lot of these uh, songs from the radio. I don't quite remember. Interesting. Yeah, well, there you go. All right, so let's move on to uh, the lighthouse music. And the lighthouse is uh, another very significant part of the story. It's in Olivine City. And uh, Olivine City is where we come across the... Uh, Oh, it's actually, yeah, you can actually choose uh, what order the badges are in in this uh, this one. So it can be the fifth or the sixth. Or is it just the sixth? I think he... Yeah, that's right. You have to you have to come back because the gym's locked. Gotcha. Gotcha. Just remembering it as I go. So in the in Olivine City, you're going against Jasmine and she's uh, she's the steel type trainer. And I guess uh, her gym is very significant because the steel type was a brand new type in Generation 2. So... Actually having a, a brand new gym leader sort of showcase the new type was really cool. And uh, I I remember because I really remember the lighthouse because the lighthouse is where I got up to in my very first playthrough when I rented it before I had to had to return it instead of my parents paying another ten dollars a week or whatever Pokemon Gold was in <laughs> two thousand and four <laughs> to rent. I got no idea. But I remember getting here and be like I remember getting sort of lost because it is like a bit of the game where you need to get certain, you need to get surf and stuff to go over the Cinewood uh, city to go and verse Chuck. And uh, yeah, I remember just getting sort of lost in this bit. And uh, I can't quite remember how I, I uh, sort of got over that. But um, once you do get HM surf, you can go over to uh, Cinewood city and verse Chuck. And uh, Chuck is a, he's a scary boy. He's a, He's the leader of the fighting gym, and he's uh, he can give you the storm badge if you uh, if you beat him, which is cool. But I'm pretty sure we'll get there on the soundtrack, so I don't want to jump there too quickly. But the surfing music, uh, the surfing theme, is something that has changed over the last few generations. It has always changed, unlike um, a few of the other themes in the Pokemon series. And I really do love how in the, these original games, how your just default sprite was a Lapras you're surfing on. I really like that. Because like going on like sort of the surfing sprite in Ruby and Sapphire and that was like this generic thing. Like it, it looked like a Kyogre, but it didn't really look like it. But this Lapras was undeniably a Lapras, which was pretty cool. So moving on, this is actually the, the theme from the Game Boy print screen. And I never had a Game Boy printer, but... Would have loved one. <laughs> so, like, we're surfing over them. It's like, all right, time to print. So, if you actually uh, caught all the Pokemon and got your certificate, you could actually print your certificate on the little uh, receipt paper, put it on your wall. All your friends would be like, holy moly, you caught all 251 Pokemon. You are the man. Congratulations. <laughs> I actually love the Game Boy printer, though. It's such a different idea. So uh, this is, we'll move on to Route 42. We'll listen to the music from that route. Oh, my God.
It rocks. I love it. Because <laughs> I, I always remember sort of the, the battle music, the wild themes, the training music, the gym leaders, but actually like going through it all and listening to the rap music as well, it is... Like, I just love how it's building up as you're going throughout the region. It's so good. All right, so we're going to go up against a, a Pokemaniac. And these guys are always so creepy. <laughs> In the Kanto region, the Johto region, just weird loner people. You can just tell like, oh my God, these guys need to get a life. <laughs> All right, so uh, let's sort of move into the, the Team Rocket part of the journey. So this is when you're going back to the radio tower to sort of take on Team Rocket. Team Rocket's trying to get a message out to its former boss, Giovanni, to try and reassemble because after Red defeated them back in the Kanto region, they disbanded and Giovanni wanted nothing to do with Team Rocket anymore. He changed his ways, but former members of Team Rocket wanted to uh, rejoin and wanted to start it up again. So... I don't know how this signal's going to... Sorry, help them, but maybe it will. <laughs> so let's move on. Let's move on to their actual hideout, and the Team Rocket music in this game is really good. Boom, 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 boom. All right, so we get through Team Team Rocket's hideout. I think this theme especially, this is like one of my favorite themes in the whole game. Uh, it was actually back on the very first episode of The House of Mario. We uh, listened to a remix of the Team Rocket takeover theme from uh, yeah, Gold and Silver. And that was the intro to the very first episode we did. So I guess it holds a bit of a, a bit of nostalgia in that way for me as well, which is really quite neat. So I'm going to have that remix as a Nintendo jukebox at the end of this episode to show you guys. But... Going on to a, a Team Rocket battle, and man, it is, it is fire. So let's move on to the rival. There's actually a, a second rival theme, which I don't know what the difference is. All oh, right, yeah, natural theme. Yeah, gotcha. I was thinking like a battle, a battle theme, like huh. But yeah, so this is when you see him at Team Rocket. And he's like, yeah, I'm gonna kick Team Rocket's ass because he seemed to be more against Team Rocket than you. It's like, hmm. I wonder why, and you you figure it out in the end. <laughs> so the the, the radio uh, tower takeover. We'll move into that, and this one especially is, yeah, I love it. So you're just like going around the radio tower, take on Team Rocket. And this is the music that's playing in the background, and it's really really awesome. Nice man. <laughs> All right, so let's skip on a bit. So the next song in the in the soundtrack is the Dragon's Den, which uh, 
is actually like sort of the, the sequence just before we verse the very last gym leader at Blackthorn City, who is Claire. And uh, I remember Claire was a hard gym to take on. <laughs> oh. I'm trying to like, I've obviously uh, missed uh, Price here, but we'll, uh, we'll talk about Claire, then I'll go back to Price, just because of uh, how the music's laid out in this uh, soundtrack here. But Claire, she's a dragon-type trainer. She's got a Dragonair, another Dragonair, another Dragonair, and a Kingdra. And they're all leveled at level 39, or level 37, sorry, except for Kingdra, who is level 40. And Kingdra is a brand-new evolution of Cedra, who uh, obviously Cedra was from Generation 1. And it's, uh, yeah, Kingdra is one of the new dragon-type Pokemon, the very first dragon water-type so it's pretty cool to see Kingdra here. And Kingdra has always been one of my favorite Pokemon. So that's pretty, pretty cool. And uh, yeah, Black Blackthorn City is actually one I actually forget about a fair bit. So what is uh, Blackthorn City's sort of backstory? So uh, it's located in the northeast of Johto. Pokemon trainers often come to Blackthorn City in order to win the R a rising badge from Claire. The Blackthorn City gym leader who specializes in Dragonite Pokemon. Many famous Dragon-type trainers, including Claire and Lance, come from Blackthorn City. According to a resident in Blackthorn City, most trainers in the city end up being Dragon-type specialists. This could be because of the Dragon Dens in the area because of the local gym leader is a Dragon-type trainer. Okay, so I think that's sort of why I forget about, <laughs> forget about the town a fair bit because apart from being like, the place where the Dragon Den is and all that. I think that's literally it. The Dragon Den was there. Dragon <laughs> dragon type Pokemon live there. So the gym leader's like, all right, I live here too. This is where I set up. And that's how the how Blackthorn City <laughs> sort of comes comes about. But uh, I guess uh, we're gonna back we're gonna backtrack to Mahogany Town with Price. So Price is the, the seventh gym leader who uh, gives what what badge does he give you? What badge does he give you? Uh, the Glacier Badge. So he has a Seal, a Dugon, and a Pile of Swine. So, you know, a pretty forgettable team, really. <laughs> I don't think there were many sort of ice types to sort of choose from. So fair enough, I guess. But like, seriously, like a Seal and Dugon, like, it's pretty boring, man. It's pretty, pretty boring. But Ma Mahogany Town, like, a fair bit um, goes on there. So, Mahogany Town is a small town uh, northern, in Nor northern Johto where ninjas once uh, resided in what would eventually become Team Rocket HQ. Uh, there are three exits out of the town. To the west is Route 42, to the east is Route 44, and to the north is Route 43, which leads directly to the famous Lake of Rage. And the Lake of Rage is, is uh, the place where I wanted to sort of segue from Mahogany Town because... Uh, it's one of the most important sort of places in the whole region because it's where you come across the infamous and the legendary uh, Red Gyarados. And Red Gyarados is the Pokemon that sort of introduces the player to the mechanic that uh, Pokemon can be shiny. So shiny Pokemon is basically one in about 8,000 chance that you can get the uh, different variation of color for that Pokemon. And uh, for the Gyarados... You hear about that there's a red Gyarados in the Lake of Rage, so you go go there, you catch it, it's yours, cool. And uh, every single time you can, every single time you play through the game, you get 
the option to catch this red Gyarados, but um, it's a, a really neat thing because I know like a lot of people were like, I never knew there was shiny Pokemon. I thought it was just the red Gyarados and it sort of, it doesn't tell you, it doesn't like hit you over the head being like, there are shiny Pokemon in the game. Every single Pokemon can be shiny. This is this is a shiny Pokemon. Look at it. It's shiny. It's just like literally like it's a different color. It sparkles. You're like, oh my God, what is this? Um, and like I already knew about Red Gyarados before I played the game and got to this location, but it would have been amazing sort of playing through this for the first time being like, what do those sparkles mean? Why is it red? There'd be like so many questions you want answered, but um, you don't necessarily get them. But uh, I guess talking about the Lake of Rage itself. So this is just from uh, Bulbapedia. So the Lake of Rage, uh, also known for Gyarados Lake, uh, is in the Johto region. It's located just north of Mahogany Town, connecting it with uh, Route 43, making it the uh, northernmost accessible point of the Johto region. The lake, uh, the large lake spawns the area of the Lake of Rage, with a few residents living nearby. It is said to be the largest rake, uh, lake, rake, <laughs> lake in the region. West of the lake uh, lies a labyrinth of trees, which hides a house. It is said that the Lake of Rage was created uh, the last time many Gyarados got together and stirred up a storm. The, cr- the uh, crater that remained filled with rainwater and become the Lake of Rage. In the midst of the lake dwells a shiny Gyarados that had recently become... Uh, uh, ir- ir- sorry, irrational due to the ratio of uh, the radio waves tra- transmitted by Team Rocket from their hi- hideout in Mahogany Town. Lake Rage was considered to be a dangerous place to go to as the Red Gyarados started uh, tipping over bo- boats and uh, scaring swimmers. Yeah, I would imagine it would scare the shit out of a swimmer. But it's also interesting about the Lake Rage too that it seems that in a sort of the data mine of uh, gold and silver that this place was originally going to be considered a town just from leftover files in the game. But obviously it turned out that that wasn't going to be the case because it, it originally, I think it was in the original game, it's going to be a fly location, but that didn't end up happening. But I'm not 100% sure on that, but an interesting little uh, tidbit nevertheless. So yeah, very, very cool place, the Lake of Rage. All right, so we've got all the gym badges. We're just like, congratulations, well done. (laughs) You've got all the gym badges. It's time to go, I guess, back to the Indigo Plateau. And uh, we go through uh, Victory Road once again. It's it's a different Victory Road, mind you. It's on on a different side. I can't remember too much about this Victory Road. I remember it being like, you know, pretty similar to the first one. You got to use strength, rock smash, all of that type of thing to get through it. But nothing too, nothing too much. No, we, we all overcome it. And we get to the Pokemon League, which has a really cool music once again. We know we're in a location like this is the Pokemon series, even though on the Game Boy and the Game Boy Color, uh, just like absolutely nails sort of the the feeling of being in an important place. Now, moving on. So we're going to move. We're going to go through the Elite Four. And the Elite Four, it's uh, it's, it's interesting because we see like returning characters. We see old gym uh, leaders from the Kanto region getting, I guess, uh, promoted 
to being uh, Elite Four members in this. And I think that's just like a really cool, I guess, uh, story building thing. So we see like remaining Elite Four members and we see gym leaders coming up. So the first member of the Elite Four is Will. He's a psychic type. And then probably the coolest one is uh, a poison type Elite Four member. And that's Koga. And Koga was originally going to... Uh, he originally was the poison type gym leader in the Kanto region. And obviously he was strong enough and he uh, prevailed and become an Elite Four member. Then we see Bruno, who's still there. He's still the fighting type trainer. And uh, Karen, who is a dark type trainer. And the dark type is pretty important to keep in mind because dark type was originally introduced in uh, the second generation. So seeing that represented was pretty important because otherwise it's kind of it kind of sucks to introduce a new type and just not have it represented, especially when steel was represented in a pretty important way with Steelix and all of that at Jasmine's Gym in Olivine City, which was... Uh, I remember that being actually kind of a pain in the ass gym. There are actually a lot of gyms in this game where actually gave me a, a bit of a hard time. But I think one of the coolest themes in the whole series, bar none, is the uh, the battle with Lance. And I think the battle that shares this music is even more epic. But this is the first time you hear this music and uh, it's amazing. So this is when you're versing Lance, and Lance is the dragon-type trainer. And in the fir very first games, uh, Red and Blue, he still was the champion, but he was just defeated by Blue just before you got there. So this is your first chance to finally verse him. And even in its original form on Game Boy Color, this theme absolutely kicks ass. And uh, going forward, when it got remade in Heart Gold Soul Silver, whether it was in you know Black and White Two with the the World Championships, this theme is by far my favorite music in the whole series. It encapsulates sort of the epicness and just like the triumph of overcoming such a powerful trainer. And man. I, I listened to so many remixes of this song. It's not funny. <laughs> On SoundCloud and Spotify and all that. Um, and especially hearing this uh, remade into like uh, metal music <laughs> is just epic. It is awesome. So you finally overcome Lance. You beat all these goddamn dragons. And, you know, he is a really, really great challenge, honestly. He's a really fun to verse. And I'm going to load up his team now to sort of go through it all. So he has a lot of Pokemon that are hard to sort of um, counteract. So in the original games, he has a Gyarados, a Dragonair, a Dragonair, an Aerodactyl, and a Dragonite. And uh, sort of going through with the remakes. So, um, so Fire Leaf Green, he has the same team. I remember, I remember him having a Charizard. Yeah. So in Golden, no, sorry, Heart Gold, Soul Silver. He has a Gyarados, Dragonite, Dragonite, Aerodactyl, Charizard, and a Dragonite. So his team actually gets way better in the remakes. Never actually, never actually thought about that. But like his team in Heart Gold and Soul Silver was no joke. <laughs> like going against Gyarados straight up with Intimidate, sort of putting down your attack. And three Dragonites. Like, and what are the levels in this? Like level 30, uh, 49, 49, and level 50. So none of them are level 55. So I don't know. He's got some premature Dragonites. <laughs> <laughs> which is actually uh, pretty funny. 
but man, his team was no joke. And just like the inclusion of Charizard was um was quite sadistic. <laughs> All right, so we're gonna move on. We finally beat Lance. Congratulations. There's a pat on the back, and we're in the Hall of Fame. Congratulations. You've beaten all eight gyms. You've beaten the Elite Four. You've uh, you, you've got a Ho-Oh or a Lugia. You you might have found one of the roaming beasts, which are a pain in the butt to get, especially when there's three of them in the one goddamn game. So real pain in the ass. But yeah, man, this game is is special. This is one of the most special games in the whole Pokemon series. Even the remakes, which uh, improved on the originals in every single way, honestly. And I think, uh, honestly, looking back at these, you can make a very strong argument that the Johto region is the best region in the whole series. And uh, on top of that, you've got all eight badges. You've uh, you know caught all the Johto Pokemon and all that. You've, you've done what you want to. You've got a whole other sort of world you can go to. Not a whole world, but another region. You can go back to the Kanto region. And as I said at the very start of this episode, uh, it's just... I wish they did it again. Like, just being able to go, all right, here's a whole other place to go to. And especially fans of the series that absolutely loved the Kanto region, you can sort of see how it progressed. And through its limitations on the Game Boy, there was a lot of areas that weren't accessible and you know, some places were pretty bland. Uh, namely, the Safari Zone that was actually closed because, you know, just <laughs> memory limitations on the original Game Boy cartridge. But you can go and see, like, Professor Rogue and... Uh, Red's original house and all that. And it's just interesting to go and see how um, the Kanto region three years later sort of fared. But, um, yeah. So, what I might actually do is uh, go through some of the, the themes. So, the battle themes and all that in the Kanto region. Because the Kanto region, it they actually did a different theme for the wild battles in there too. Which is actually quite different from Red and Blue. How, you know, a lot of the music was actually quite the same but in this one they actually did you know, they were able to fit a lot of uh, different themes in so I can't really train a battle let's jump into that and it is uh, quite different to the original games and even like when you're in the post game and you're jumping from region to region uh, it is neat that you know where, wherever you are the music actually changes. I, I did appreciate that playing through these games too. I thought that was a nice little touch, but it made the regions feel very different from one another just from the changes of music. And uh, of course, you can verse all eight gym battles as well again and get 16 badges in total. And the very last one, um, being Vermilion City, he's actually Giovanni's now gone, so Blue is now the gym leader. And I thought that was a really nice touch as well, that your arrival from that game. Like, he somewhat grew up and actually become a gym leader and matured, I guess, which is pretty cool. But yeah, never got to this in another Pokemon game ever again. Never got more than eight badges. Which was a, you know, bit of a, bit of a letdown. So, yeah, you've pretty much uh, done all that. You've beaten all the gym badges again. And we're going to go back to... I guess uh, the Lance theme, but it is also the red theme and pretty much the Pokemon community sort of considers this as the red theme rather than Lance's theme. So you get to Mount Silver, you get to the very top and there's a trainer who is up there by himself, been training, he's been quiet since the years he's become the champion. And not only that, this is one of the, 
first games too where you actually battle your past self or I guess one of your characters from a previous game which is which is just epic on every single level like this game really did sort of encapsulate such a powerful story within the first generation and moving on to like a different region but also being very close to it being able to come back burst your past self see how your rivals matured uh, see where the other gym leaders have gone whether it's from Koga how he went into the Elite Four or even um, Koga's uh, daughter who then become the gym leader at uh, at Fuchsia City it's just um, really interesting to see that and I do wish the Pokemon series sort of took that um, up again because the closest we got to that was uh, Pokemon Black and White 2 how they, they were sequel games and we saw how the Unova region sort of changed over the last few years and what happened there but those are the only two instances of this happening in the series which uh, you know kind of sucks but uh Regardless, every generation sort of has its uh, ups and downs, and that's definitely a big up for the Johto region, how it uh, took what Kanto did, made it stronger, and, uh, yeah, really made the Pokemon series strong. And I think uh, I think a lot of people really did appreciate that, and that's why the brand become so strong around the early 2000s. And I know with uh, Pokemon Ruby and Sapphire and the Game Boy Advance, it did die down a little bit again, but... Yeah, no, that's definitely what I think about with uh, the Johto region anyway. So, absolutely fantastic games. Nostalgia is high. Uh, and Heart, Gold, and Soul, Silver, definitely top three best Pokemon games, objectively, <laughs> I feel like. But um, it depends where you start and what your sort of opinions are on, on the series as a whole. So, everyone, that uh, that concludes our journey throughout the Johto region. I hope you enjoyed it. Uh I hope it might have brought up some some feelings you have for the Johto region, whether you've played through it recently or it's been 20 years since you've gone back to it. Um, yeah, I hope it's uh, been enjoyable to listen to. And yeah, I know I've enjoyed it. And man, I need a drink of water because I've been talking for an hour and 18 minutes to myself, to a microphone with my, uh, with my soundboard here. But regardless, it's been a lot of fun. And uh, sort of next week, we're going to be going to the Hoenn region, which was introduced in 2002 in Pokemon Ruby and Sapphire and the Game Boy Advance. So really looking forward to that. That is where I personally started my Pokemon journey. So I hope you join me for that. And uh, yeah, until then, the doors to the House of Mario are closed. Catch you later. But I'm going to leave you with a, uh, a Pokemon Gold and Silver Team Rocket theme remix. By Glitch, uh, Glitch, Glitch X City, who is an absolutely fantastic Pokemon uh, composer, just fantastic. She does awesome remixes. You can check her out on Twitter and all of that. Link in the description. But until then, I'll see you next time.